Democrats, 90s kids, and early otters, it's Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. I am Sam. I am Rachel. And we are a real-life couple with a little bit of an age difference and a lot of bit of this podcast. <laughs> and each week, we introduce each other to a topic that is near and dear to our hearts from our own generation in an effort to bridge the gap. And I will say, 20 episodes in, Rachel, Yeah, there's still a gap. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know you. I looked at my birth certificate. It's still the same. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel like we've learned a lot, but there is every single day we're like, oh, we got to do that. Oh, we got to do that. Then I listen to old episodes and we mention topics. And I'm like, have we written that down yet? So <laughs> there's still a lot more gen gapping to go. Yeah. And also, if any listeners have any ideas of topics they want us to cover or uh, ideas for the hat of time, please send them our way. Sounds good. Well, let's get into today's topics because this is the season finale. Season finale. You know we had to go big. We had to go big. So we went with today's topics, which are Avril Lavigne meets Alanis Morissette. Right. And and for the listeners at home who might be too young or not have a heart, who is Alanis Morissette? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, Alanis Morissette is a Canadian-born musician, singer-songwriter, who rose to popularity in the 90s. Mm. And I've got Avril Lavigne, a Canadian singer-songwriter that rose to fame in the early 2000s. Well, well, well. <laughs> Looks like we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, but we weren't all masters in Lavineology, okay? We weren't all doctors of Morissettedness. Okay, there was a time where we were in In the dark. Oh, (laughs) it's so dim and dingy in here. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should turn a light on. It's so unlit and inky jet black in here. There's no candles. There's no flashlights. Mm -mm. Why is that? This is the last in the dark for season two, <gasps> oh Rachel. Oh my God, it's the last episode of the season. <laughs> oh yeah, you've changed a lot over this season. I've like really changed. You found your voice. I have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, crazy. Well, this is the last time we have to sound like complete idiots. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be totally so much more uh, knowledgeable on the Studies of Avril Lavigne and Atlantis Morissette. And is it Atlantis? Oh my gosh, it's already started. Atlantis. What do you know about Atlantis Morissette besides not her name? (laughs) Well, I know that she comes from a land that is under the (laughs) sea. It is a magical, mysterious place. Now, Sam, I think what you're describing is Atlantis. Okay. Her name is Atlantis. Hmm. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. Um, Okay, so... Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. Now this is the soundtrack of, uh, uh, you know, of like an older sister. Okay, oh. you hear it coming from the room. You know, uh, I know it's like a very like angsty. And she's got that great album, Jagged Little Pill. Oh, shit. We're already dropping album names? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm somewhat familiar. Yeah, this is one of those weeks. Yes. This is not a mannequin situation. No. This is not a Pokemon situation. It's more of a Pearl Jam situation where Mm. it's like, I'm interested to kind of investigate. Oh, really? And see the perspective because it's never truly resonated with me. And maybe it's just not for me, but um, I'm open to the journey. Okay, sure. 
All right, so you it's it's older sister music is what I've heard so far. Yes. Did your older sister listen to it? Um, no. Well, yes, my foster sister listened to it. Oh, Morissette. all yeah. right. Yeah, from the other room. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, and in the living room. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. And like, what's the genre of music? Um, rock. Al- you know, alternative rock stuff. It, it you know, it, 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 it it's rock. Yeah. yeah. Why are you saying it like that? I don't know. Yeah, it's rock. Uh, you know, I. You know, sometimes I get her confused with a couple other artists. Like who? Um, well, more than artists, I just attribute songs to Alanis Morissette that she didn't write. Like, <laughs> And it's in the same vein, but I, I know it's not her, but she does the, I'm a bitch, I'm a liar, I'm a lover, I'm a saint, I'm a mother, I have children, I have none. Can you find where they're one? Like, I don't. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't. Is that Atlantis Morissette in the room with me? <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's not one, but it's it's in that world. That's how okay. vague my understanding. It's is. in that world. Yeah. All right. And um, well, okay. So you know a song that she does not sing. Can you name any of her songs that she does sing? Um, if I couldn't, that'd be pretty ironic. Um, Whoa, I got one, and then I'm gonna just guess that "Jagged Little Pill" is also the name of a song. So ironic and "Jagged Little Pill." Uh huh. And I'm sure there's a couple that I'd be like, "Oh, I have heard that," mm-hmm. but I don't know if I could name any other. Maybe um, "Juniper's Rainbow" mm-hmm. or "Larry's Undoing." Okay, so mm-hmm. just a couple other ones there that you're completely making up. hundred percent. Great, love those. <laughs> And like, well, so do you know anything else about her? Like, does she have any famous relationships? Did she do anything? Is she only a singer? Is she a triple threat? Like, <laughs> it's so she... funny that you're like, are there any famous relationships? Because I also have that question prepped. Oh, really? About mine. Yeah. Um, famous relationships. Uh, I'm going to go with Tom Green. That's such a good guess. Yeah. Uh, it's remember gonna be when some... Tom Green was married? <laughs> well, first of all, remember Tom Green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I barely don't. I just remember the name, and I remember he was married to Drew Barrymore. That's who it was. Yeah, I'm like, Tom Green married somebody where you're like, really? Yeah, yeah. For her. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. Excuse me? Where is your bum? That's a, that's the Tom Green show theme song, I believe. My bum is on your lips? <laughs> I don't even... I, I'm going to do the rare in this the dark. Is... Denise? <laughs> Denise? Denise? Denise, get in here. I have no idea what Sam's talking about. I'm just going to Google my bump is on your lips. Don't You know, you want to do that in an incognito window, probably. Okay. I see it attributed to Tom Green as well as Eminem. I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> well i have no idea what you're it's good we found something that we're in the dark okay, about great. even it it has nothing to do with Linus morissette but i'm definitely i mean a maybe little... it does maybe she married tom green she we don't have. know all right so that's okay and anything like did she where's she from or like yeah where's she from oh she's got a weird voice also i kind of confuse her as a personality with bjork so uh. <laughs> It's hard. Like, I can't picture them both in my head. Um, I'm going to say she's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a Jersey girl. Yeah, she's got a weird voice, but for some reason she's from New Jersey. What, what, do you, what is it about her voice that's so weird? It's really, it's like, it's like <laughs> mouthy. You know, it's like, oh, like, um, 
What's that actress? Carrie Washington. No. Carrie Washington. No. She acts with her teeth. Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. Similar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay, cool. So she's from New Jersey. She dated Tom Green. This is she good stuff. She talks like Kira Knightley. And yeah. she talks like Kira Knightley. Um, when was Alanis Morissette popular? 1996 through 2004. All right. I feel good about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hit me. Oh, okay. I mean, don't hit me. I would never. Don't I would... hit me, baby, one more time. No, different artists. Why does everything have to be so complicated? Wow. Hey, uh, I did not right. Talk about weird voice. Oh, interesting. You think Avril's <laughs> got a weird voice. Okay, no. Rachel, we're talking about Avril Lavigne. Who is Avril Lavigne? Avril Lavigne I, is a Canadian, I believe, singer, uh, from like oh god i don't know what era that was even early 2000s probably she made popular wearing a tie mm. uh, like just like from like a female punk point of view okay yeah describe oh god, the way our, avril lavigne looks okay our editor is gonna kill me for saying female punk point of view that's just so many p's so many plosives <laughs> all right uh uh, describe the way she looks. Yes. Okay, so what I remember, yeah, I'm not totally in the dark on Avril, but I don't know a lot of details. She had straight hair, uh, brown for a lot of it, but then blondish probably at some point. A lot of eyeliner. Um, I think she was like a pop punk kind of thing, which I, or like a rock punk maybe, because um, it was very like poppy. But with an edge is kind of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there's like the skater vibe. But yeah, she would always wear like a tie with her shirt and not like a button down shirt, like a tank top mm-hmm. with a with a tie is what mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Maybe a tongue ring. A tongue ring. That could be possible. Okay. You know, uh, she was cute. She was like little, I feel like. Okay. Petite. So, so we have a micro person. White. A micro white Canadian straight haired tie wearing person. <laughs> you got it. Um, and you said she she plays music that you described as a pop, but with an edge, like a pop punk. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like it was a little poppy because it was it got airplay. Like I remember it being on the radio, mm-hmm. you know. But I also don't know her non radio hits. Like maybe she had some stuff that was like a little harder, mm-hmm. you know, more a little more rock. And is Avril Lavigne like a pop act or do you think she writes her songs? Does she play an instrument? I think she plays guitar. Mm -hmm. I hope she plays guitar. Mm -hmm. If she doesn't, get out of here. Wow. Get out. Because, you know, we did Lilith Fair recently and now I only want guitar playing musicians. Yeah. You know? Singers? I'm sorry. That's not enough. Get get the back of the line, singers. Get an instrument. Yeah. Says the woman who sings and doesn't play an instrument. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Um, I remember Complicated. I was, my next thing is name Avril, every Avril Lavigne song you can think of. Ugh, mainly I remember, why is everybody so complicated? And I remember, uh, she was, a, he was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. And I think that's it. Yep. Oh, wait, no, there was one other one that I really liked. Is I don't know what it's called. But I that's think it's called Mem Night. 
Um. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I'll ask you any famous spouses or oh, relationships. Yes. It was like, yes, I'm not going to remember his name, but I feel like it was another punk singer, like another pop punk singer. Mm. Like, um, it's not someone from Green Day, but it's like that, like a blink, maybe a blink 182 boy. Mm. I don't know. Uh, but something like that. There's no way I'll remember their name. No, no, I couldn't ask you to guess this. Um, <laughs> it would have to be a better answer for me to even ask that. Okay. You know, um, how about this? Are there any like famous like internet conspiracies oh, you're yeah. aware of with Avril Lavigne? I do. Oh, I know. Okay. I know the one about her, which is that she is gone and like another person has been pretending to be her in her place. Either it's like a clone of Avril Lavigne or it's just like she retired or died and someone else has been pretending to be Avril and like performing as her ever since. So you're saying Paul is dead. Sure. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got on Avril. Yeah, we're not too in the dark this week, but I'm excited to do a little bit of boot camp and then see what we come up with. What we're in the dark about is appreciation. Well, so this is appreciation week. Here all right, at the everybody. End. Appreciate it. Back to you, <laughs> you future, future Sam and Rachel. Rachel. Who doggy? Oh, my God. Well, I cannot wait for you to learn about Atlantis from New Jersey. New Jersey's own Atlantis. Uh, I knew she was Canadian. Well, you know, she's a bitch. She's a liar. <laughs> she's got pants. They're on fire. Uh, I'm just like, I knew that she was Canadian. Also, I know. I, I, I knew you knew that. So I know. Somewhere I knew that. Also, I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but I remember her being in the movie Dogma. Oh, yeah. That's a she good one. She plays God. Yeah. And I knew that. Yeah. Um, so I'm more familiar with her acting yeah, than sure. her music. Of course. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to listen to the song Larry's Undoing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, seems like, yeah, I think we both knew a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like I'm probably starting today, okay, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, going in, in uh, order, chronologically. Yeah, and quality. <clears throat> so... Alanis Morissette, like we said, is a Canadian-born musician, singer-songwriter. She had this huge hit of this Grammy Award-winning album, Jagged Little Pill, and that was really what launched her into popularity in 1995. 95. Yeah, you were super close. And to preface this whole thing, you know, uh, Gen Gap heads know we boot camp the art uh, in between recording in the dark and the full episode. And this is really mainly about early Alanis. I'm really focusing on Jagged Little Pill because that's what I listened to in high school. But she has a large breadth of work and has released many albums, written hundreds of songs, and has appeared in like as, as you know, as an actress in film and TV and theater as well. She's done off-Broadway. So uh, my... my Also, we listened to a portion of a podcast. Uh, Alanis, also a fellow podcaster. Oh, yeah. we I was like, I really want to learn about her through a podcast. And the only thing Google would show me is that she has a podcast. Right, and it wasn't where she interviews helpful. other people. <laughs> and you're like, uh, we want to hear about you, Alanis. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> take that mic. I don't want to hear about this doctor and his theories on <laughs> attachment parenting. It was a lot of that. Uh, so I think I'll start a little bit with the history because a lot of my thoughts here are about Jagged Little Pill, her album. But 
little history. Uh, before Jagged Little Pill, she had released some, she had released two other albums. They were more like dance pop. And really? yeah, I went and listened to a song and yeah, it was very um, like Tiffany. It was like what I taught you in the Pop Princesses episode. It sounded very Tiffany or Debbie Gibson-esque. Mm. Yeah. Now, when I was researching her, I started doing the math and I was like, that means she's, first of all, she's only a few years older than I am. And when I, I did the math, I'm like, she released those albums, those first two albums when she was 15 and 16 years old. Well, the, the dance pop ones. Yeah. yeah. If my math is right. I mean, maybe it's off by a couple years, but right. still, she was definitely a teenager. Um, and before Jagged Little Pill, she couldn't get signed to a record label. Tons of people passed on her. Now, I think what is very known about her is that she experienced a lot of really painful things in a short period of time, and she's used her songwriting as her platform and her platform as a famous person. She's used those things to kind of bring light to some of these issues, which are serious issues like sexual harassment, eating disorders, statutory rape, depression, as well as trust issues because partially stemming from her business manager uh, stole over $5 million from her over six or seven years. Whoa. And he went to prison. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Years later. Almost, whenever you hear someone stole millions of dollars, you never hear that they actually go to prison. So that's a nice story. I know. (laughs) And I know that's kind of like a dark place to start, but I do think that like whenever you think of Alanis Morissette and her music, you think of this very like moody sound. Yes. And I think that the the word that most people would say is angry, Mm -hmm. right? Like she was kind of the epitome of like the angry woman, you know? And when you one of the lyrics is like something like aggressive woman or something like that. I forget. I wish I knew the album front and back, but I I really enjoyed listening to it. But like she uh, identifies herself as like an aggressive woman or like a like a a woman with purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like good for her for using this medium to get out whatever she had you know whatever frustrations she had experienced so young because like i said she was so young when she did her first albums and jagged little pill came out when she was 21 or so if my math is right so i mean that's what rock music's for yeah yell it out it's true so (laughs) when i was researching this i remembered that my old friend and former roommate caitlin fontana had written an article about Alanis Morissette before the show was being written for Broadway or before it came to Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I was living with Caitlin at the time and she was writing about Alanis. She asked me a little bit about it. The article is in the, is uh, at Walrus. Uh, It's the Walrus. If you Google it. Uh, And Google Walruses. Google Walruses. Uh, It's a Canadian magazine and uh, the author is Caitlin Fontana. Um, But in this article, an older version of me, Caitlin had a lot of just like really great things to say. So I thought, why not pull from the person whose opinion I trust? (laughs) Because we live together. Uh, So when she was examining her legacy, Caitlin investigates a few things that kept Alanis relevant for so long and like made her so memorable, especially when compared to some of her contemporaries uh, like Sarah McLaughlin and Shania Twain. And part of what made her so different was that she didn't look like a standard pop star, right? She didn't have that Britney Spears look by any by any means. Right. And also, as Caitlin writes, but above all, the difference is the anger. 
On Jagged Little Pill, Morissette is an angry woman. This is partly lyrical. There are a lot of direct, unflinching attacks in her lyrics, yeah. some visceral and some cheeky. Mostly, it's the voice that's angry, though. That huge caterwaul. She shares some oral territory with other female artists of the 90s, Tori Amos, Bjork, mm-hmm. Fiona Apple. But try as you might to lump Morissette into other acts of the era, she keeps sliding away. She's not folk sincere enough no. to be McLaughlin or Amos. She's not arena pop enough to keep pace with Twain or Dion. And she's not already weird enough for Bjork or Apple. She is among them, but not of them screaming for dear life. So that's, that's from Caitlin. I article. think that's really right. Uh, there are, I mean, first of all, Jack little pills lyrics are like really strong. Yeah. Like, uh, there's always like something like, you know, like when she says like, do you think she'd go down on you in a theater where you're yeah. like, like lyrics that kind of take you out for a second. You're like, I'm not used to hearing these lyrics in a, in a pop song. Yeah. And you that know? was like a huge, that was like the single. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I mean, I also this um, I said that it was going to be like Pearl Jam and it was because what I didn't realize is how all of these Alana songs are on this album. Like, yeah, like the, the album 10. I don't know. I mean, this one's better than 10. Easy for me. You heard it here first. I, I think Jack Little Pill, I mean, front to back is like no skips. Wow. Yeah. It's very, very strong. Very strong. Yeah. Well, um, Kind of the last thing I'll, I'll say from this perspective is like this: there was this music journalist, Andrea Warner, who wrote a book about Alanis Morissette. And she said it was how she was basically saying that the way that um, Alanis Morissette sounded, it was how we sometimes sounded on the inside, in our heads and in our hearts. It was the sound of total abandon and calculated emotional manipulation Another seeming contrast and yet totally obvious space inherent in so many people. Um, so, yeah, I think people just like loved her rawness, yeah. you know, and she said she said things that a lot of women specifically were feeling, you yeah. know. So, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Jagged Little Pill. Uh, like I said, that's the main thing that I'm a fan of yeah. because that's what was really popular when I was in high school. It just like hit me at the right time. Uh, If you've never listened to Jagged Little Pill, listen to the album all the way through front to end. There is a hidden track at the very end of the album, which is fun. Uh, They don't do that anymore, I don't think. I I don't know. Do they? No, no. Well, they don't even do albums anymore, Rachel. You're right. But yeah, the hidden track, uh, for those of you who are young enough to not know, um, you just have to wait at the end of the last song. You might notice that the last song is like, Eight minutes, and it seems like it's over after four and a half or whatever. But you and keep a listening, long space. and the long space, and then it just comes on. And yeah. Oh, what was such a magical thing uh, from Hidden Tracks, which is this is not the only one by any means, very popular at that time, I think, um, was like you'd put the CD on, you know, a whole CD ROM, and you'd see, and it'd be like on track eleven or whatever, uh, and it would go away, and you wouldn't think about it, and then all of a sudden. Music returns. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you might know if if you know uh, of Alanis, but you don't know the album, you probably at least know the songs Ironic and You Ought to Know, uh, which Sam just mentioned. So check it out. But um, so Jagged Little Pill was a post grunge alternative rock album. Yeah. You know, it was a huge shift in 
musical genre from her earlier work, as I mentioned. Um, by the way, I, I list, when I listened to one of those songs, I just assumed that her early stuff like just wasn't heard by anyone because I knew she wasn't signed yeah. and all this stuff. It was probably not popular. But then I read online that like one of those songs went, at least one of those songs went platinum. So it wasn't that she was Whoa. totally unsuccessful. And again, she was ch- like a child. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Debbie Gibson situation. Um, so she co-wrote Jagged Little Pill with producer and songwriter Glenn Ballard. So some of his songwriting credits include Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson and Wilson Phillips' Hold On. And those are two incredible songs. Yeah. Incredible. Hold on for one more day. Uh, In an interview, Ballard said that uh, he was like, we didn't have a budget. It didn't have a recording engineer. This was just like a songwriting venture and no one expected anything. Mm-hmm. It was really it was really a surprise when it when it became such a huge success. And a huge success it was, Sam. Yeah. Sold more than 33 million copies globally. It won so many awards. I can't even read you all of the awards. But let's just say Grammys, VMAs, Billboard Awards for Best New Artist, Juno Awards, everything. And it won the 1996 Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 96. Yeah. That's and probably I, correct. I looked up just like who else was nominated yes, in that category. Yeah, great and uh, just, you know, speaking of, one of the albums was Vitalogy by Pearl Jam. Oh, okay. It was yeah. also nominated. So. Wow. Clearly, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this this album like remains very respected to this day. Uh, Rolling Stone, you know, has it listed in like the 500 greatest songs of all time. Um, you ought to know, or I'm sorry, the 500 greatest albums of all time. Is yeah. that what I said? Yeah. No, you said songs. And then you ought to know was also included in the greatest songs of all time, and yeah. it's like at like 103. So yeah. it's very very good placement there. Um, and I, then yeah, I might put it higher. Yeah. I feel like it's very good. Wow. And like when I, I love think, hearing this. When I think about like, you know, what an album is, like this, you know, obviously this style of music, like I I, I venture to guess in the in the dark, like, is this for me? It, it wasn't written for me, but as someone who appreciates music, like this thing is just full of bangers. And uh, we kind of talked throughout the week about how there's like, there's just two different kinds of songs on that album, and they're just kind of like one after another. You know, yeah. they kind of like alternate between the sounds. So you don't get tired mm. of of how the songs should go. And you this know? is when we listened to albums, like we were saying, and, yeah. and the flow of it is yeah. like very cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, the song Ironic was like a radio hit, as was You Ought to Know, and those two songs could not be more different. Right. Uh, ironic-, ironic is not. Even close to the best song on that. No, album. I was gonna say not. That was gonna say the exact same thing. Yeah. The song "Ironic" is like I feel like to me it's very much how I feel about Blind Melon. I love Blind Melon. Yeah. And people only know the song "No Rain." Yeah. And I'm like, that song is fine. Yeah. Blind Melon is great. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about the song "Ironic." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course have to mention. Uh, obviously, you know this in 2017. Jagged Little Pill was adapted into a Broadway jukebox musical called, you know, Jagged Little Pill, same name, and it earned 15 Tony nominations, including Best Musical. I attempted to audition for this play. Did you really? When it was originally being workshopped here in Portland, Oregon. No way. Yeah. That is so... Wait, when was that? 2015? No, like 2010, maybe 2000. 
not. What do you no, mean you attempted to audition? I, I sent in my stuff. Oh, I was okay. not invited to oh, audition. Oh, babe, I would have asked you to audition. Well, to be fair, I didn't even listen to the album, so I didn't deserve it. <laughs> you did not. Uh, before I get into what this album means to me, uh, I, I want to hit you with some fun facts. Okay. That's per usual. Um, so Alanis Morissette made her own demo when she was nine years old and somehow got it to somebody at MCA Records. She didn't get signed, but like she got heard. Um, she was 21 when Jagged Little Pill came out or, or so. And to me, I was just like, when I read that, I'm like... <laughs> She seems so smart and self-aware. I know she had a co-writer, but still, like, that album has a feminist voice. Yes. And a female voice. And, like, it's just, I cannot imagine having any of that kind of wholeness at such a young age. Yeah. You know? Um, Before she came out, she was an opening act on tour. For Vanilla Ice, Ice I just feel like people were disappointed. You know, <laughs> either people were there for Alanis and were very disappointed by Vanilla Ice, or vice versa. You I know? mean, I, I it's not w- a good whoever booked that tour should be fired. I was in sixth grade at that time, and I totally would have gone to that concert. <laughs> Uh, Vanilla Ice. There was like four musicians at that time. One hit is all you need. Uh, (laughs) I thought this was fun. I saw online that she has a twin brother who's also a musician. Oh, really? Um, And she started playing piano at age six. Now, this is something we've mentioned many times on previous episodes is about the show. You can't do that on television. It was a Nickelodeon show. We are going to do an episode on it. She was in that show. What? She performed in that show. It was a comedy sketch show. She was in middle school. Or as Canadians call it, junior high. Uh, grade eight. Um, <laughs> and so you're telling me that Alanis Morissette was a sketch comedian? You got it. That's wild. Uh, she was in Curb Your Enthusiasm and Dogma. Yes. Yeah, I remember the, her in Curb as well. That's right. And her famous ex-boyfriends include yeah. Ryan Reynolds. What? They were engaged. What? He's like, I feel like the new... Uh, America's sweetheart, like the new Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, the new Tom Bergeron. <laughs> no. And then you may have heard that she has dated Dave Coulier, who you don't know who that is. I don't know. Who uh, that he's is. from Full House. Okay. Uh, that there was a lot of rumors that that's who you ought to know was about, but mm. it, it, there's no confirmation about that anywhere. But when I did the math on that, I'm like. She was maybe 18, maybe, and that's being generous. And he was not probably, so Dave Coulier. No, hello. <laughs> no, he was definitely uh, an adult. You know, he was in his late 20s or early 30s. Uh, <laughs> again, being generous with the late 20s thing. So, yucky. That's yucky. like if we met at that age. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this album really does mean a lot to me. Uh, and it, it's funny because I don't even think about it. And that and it really has that frisian feeling that you talk about a lot. When I put this album on, I'm like, whoa, I feel so many things and I'm really taken back to a time and a place. Um, I was in high school in 1995 when this album came out. I had, um, I think I was like a sophomore maybe. And I'd probably just started dating my terrible high school boyfriend. <laughs> and when we broke up, I blasted this album, specifically You Ought to Know, in my bedroom, like 
blasted it until my mom came in and was like, what's going on? And like found me all sad and upset. Um, but I feel like this was probably the first non hip hop album that I've listened to, uh, that did, that had swears in it. Mm, yeah. And I was like, Whoa, she's so like, like more than badass. swears there's like overtly sexual lyrics or something that i feel like is more yeah you know i feel like you hear somebody s- sing a swear and you're like okay but yeah. like i don't know the lyrics and how specific they are sometimes i think it's the thing that like makes you go like oh like that's the edge for me well there's yes and there's an there's an actual lyric in you ought to know where she says uh are you thinking of me when, when you, you f- her? her yeah that is like I think I had never heard that word used in that way to mean that thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I at that age, so I was like, whoa. Um, I love the I love the album. Like you said, there's so many good songs. I think my favorite song is "Right Through You." Mm. I played it for you yesterday. Yeah. I see you right through you. Uh, so good, so smart. Um. I, there's like a cop there's like one or two songs I don't like actually one of the songs I don't like is not on that album it's on a different album I don't like the song one hand in my pocket that one always bothered me but otherwise they all rock um now here's something fun mm-hmm. uh as you know I was in a sketch and improv comedy team uh with Alanis Morissette <laughs> no she wasn't in the group she tried to get an audition mm-hmm. but uh no uh and um at the time, Ironic was really popular, and so we did a parody song that my myself and Danielle Kaplowitz co-wrote together, and it was a play on all the different words that rhyme with Ironic. So we had like a verse where it was a girl who like thought she liked the had a thing with this guy, and and then it was like, but isn't it platonic? And then there was another one about a a dumb person, isn't it moronic? And then of course we had Satan come out to do a verse, isn't it demonic? It was a hit. Yeah, it sounds like a hit. And kudos for you for not doing the cheap, easy joke of like, technically that's not ironic. It's just unfortunate or whatever There's these so nerds. Much of that. There's so much of that oh, online. It, oh that's the God. whole thing. It, can you imagine if um actually, that's like the, the, the launch of um actually. Yeah, for real. Like, I, I, I don't care. It's so stupid. I don't care. But- I feel like empowered when we do epi- like this episodes like this. Like it reminds me of like when we talked about Lilith Fair. Um, or nine hundred two one zero. Oh god, the opposite. Um, I think that is actually such a strong putting those two side by side. Uh, that show really degraded women, you know, yeah. ultimately, and this showed just that you can fight back, you know? Yeah. I I feel like that was the culture at the time. That's like all we saw was like stuff like that, like relationships in turmoil. And that's what romance is. And women are not in a good light. And then this album just feels like such a response, like such like a fight back, such like you, you backed me into a corner and now the badger is lashing out. It has like badger energy to me where it's just like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I remember everything and I'm going to get you for it. it well, feels it's like, like, you know, just a few years earlier, we had to witness and I was really young witnessing Monica Lewinsky uh, getting just so slandered. Yeah. Uh, but that's not how we felt at the time. No, right? What? I feel like nobody at the time is like, oh, 
Monica Lewinsky is being slandered. No, it was right. No, well, well, they it was the way that we treated Monica Lewinsky was so gross. But I do feel that people, women specifically, felt that on the inside. Like the way that we are treating this woman. Why are we talking? Like I don't know. Anyway. So here's why this album matters to me and, and Alanis's music matters to me, you know? So I kind of already gotten into it, but like this was a time, as we now know from our uh, Lilith Fair episode, this was a time when radio stations told female artists that they couldn't play two female singers in a row on the radio. And Alanis is actually quoted in some articles about that as well. Mm-hmm. And, and here you have this freaking album that just blew everybody away female fronted and, and very anti the man, you know? Um, cause so much women fronted media was created and written under the male gaze. And this felt different. Um, and, and, and this music is not heard. It is felt, you know, (laughs) I know that sounds cheesy, but like from the inside out, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it was my first toe dip into becoming a feminist. Like, Mm. I feel like it was the first time I kind of experienced that or, or heard of calling out patriarchal bullshit in your song lyrics. Like I didn't, I didn't know that's what was going on, but I think I felt that, you Mm -hmm. know, and then winning awards for it just makes it even better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just felt really, really important. And she helped me get from sad to angry in a time Mm -hmm. when I think I needed that. And she will always hold a special place in my heart. Yeah, it's the next stage of grief, so <laughs> that's at least moving forward. Um, yeah, that's amazing. That's so all good. I got for you. That's great. Yeah, those are great. You know, we usually talk about uh, is this piece indicative of its time? Yeah, I think we kind of just mentioned with the whole treatment of women in the yeah. '90s and Monica Lewinsky. It's like it's indicative of its time in that it says what was often not being said and, or I don't know, um, just women having to scream to be heard. And even when it is valid, men are going to just be like, "Ugh, she's so angry. It's not cute to be angry. Yeah. Honestly, I want to be like, Oh yeah. So this is, this is the first album of that. We have to remember because there's a huge trend afterwards, but I don't know if there is, mm. right? Like, I don't know if there's a ton of other Jagged Little Pill copycats along the way. I think there was probably a moment where there were some, but, like, this album still holds up, I think, because there it, it never turned into a trend. It still feels so authentic. Yeah, it and stands still out. feels like the source of it. You know, it's still pure. I love that you loved it. That makes me... It's very good. I'm, I'm really... Surprise. It's not I what I thought I you were going to I knew I wanted to be open to it, um, but I was just very impressed with it. Yeah. I think when we first started this podcast, or even before we started this podcast, when we were like, let, we first did this uh, as a live show at the pit in New York City. And I think our approach in the beginning was like, let's kind of poke fun at each other's thing. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed our kind of arc of the other way of like really letting each other's thing affect us and really like letting us learn about it. I don't know. Yeah. I like to learn about it, 
But I also, I just need to call out the ones I like <laughs> so that when we get to the ones that are hard for me, <laughs> we know it is, you know? Yeah, it's, I still can't It's not believe. a bit when I'm mad at something, okay? <laughs> if I like it, I'll say I like it's it. It's upsetting that you don't love space balls. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last thing I did want to say, and, and I guess we can put this under like, is it good or is it nostalgia? Yeah. I think it's clear that we think it's good. And one thing I feel like I didn't even really express, I, we talked a lot about the lyrics, but like her performance, I remember when Caitlin, my old roommate, was writing that article and we both were re-listening to this album. The very first thing I noticed was the the album I was listening to, it was Jagged Little Pill, but it hadn't been like remixed and re-recorded. Like lately, they remix everything. Yeah. And it, it, the sound was so fine. It wasn't super heavy mixed. And you could just hear her like raw vocals. And you're like, damn, these are really good. Yeah. And like her sound is so unique, you know. Yeah. So uh, that is Atlantis from New Jersey. Wow. Wow. That Jersey girl sure can sing. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the hit 2B series, Sota Pop, which follows the exciting lives of Minnesotans, Emily and Ethan, as they make a life together in Oregon. Last season brought you such exciting moments as the adoption of Archie the dog, Ethan taking physical therapy because he picked up a lot of wrong, Emily condensing three partially filled ketchup bottles into one full ketchup bottle. And of course, the season finale culminating in Emily and Ethan's wedding. Tune in for the upcoming season of Soda Pop, where Emily and Ethan face their next adventure, Married Life. Okay, well, it's time to get into it. The Avril of it all. Okay, <laughs> Rachel. We're talking about Avril Lavigne, the Canadian singer-songwriter that is considered to be a key musician in the development of pop-punk music, paving the way for female-driven punk-influenced pop music from 2002 to present. Uh, her big hits include, for those who don't know, Skater Boy, Skater Boy spelled with an eight, <laughs> and Boy spelled B-O-I, um, My Happy Ending, Boyfriend, and of course, Complicated. Uh, Avril Lavigne, born in 1984 in Belleville, Ontario, the same Canadian province as Alanis Morissette. Say what? Yeah. Uh, we both in, in the dark were like, your person's voice sounds funny. No, your person's voice sounds <laughs> funny. They're from the same place. <laughs> um, she spent her youth singing in church and learned to play guitar, drums, and bass from her musician father. Okay, mm. so early on, she's like going to church and singing, doing the whole thing. I saw a lot of cute little tape recordings of <laughs> little Avril Lavigne. Uh, and at 14, Lavigne performed at country fairs, singing uh, songs by Garth Brooks, the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks and Shania Twain. Okay, mm. so it's she comes from like church music and like mm. country music. Interesting. Okay. Also, at this time, she began writing her own songs, okay, at 14. Uh, just all, like a little Rachel Rosenthal. Just like Rachel Rosenthal. <laughs> but unlike Rachel Rosenthal, she did all this while also playing hockey, like any good Canadian. <laughs> uh, in fact, she won MVP twice as a right winger in a boys league. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But you don't think I I, I did that? I know you didn't. <laughs> that is correct. Um, I've seen you ice skate. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> How dare you? But this would be not be the last time that uh, Avril would really uh, challenge the boys in their own league. So despite winning a singing contest at 15 that allowed her to perform with one of her idols, Cheryl Crow, hmm. in front of 20,000 people in Ottawa. Okay, she won this contest where wow. she got to do this uh, at 15. Uh, she signed with a manager named uh, Cliff Fabry uh, uh, it, at a bookstore in a small town. Okay, so it wasn't this big 20,000 gig. She was playing a small uh, bookstore in a small town. Uh, that's where she signed with her manager. Well, and he had just come to see her perform or happened to be in the store? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess he was looking for talent. I, I guess he the came books... looking for a book, and he left with a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he sent Avril's audition tapes around, and in 2001, she auditioned for Arista Records and was signed then and there the the record producer who I'm not going to say his name because there's a lot of alleged Ugh, crap about him. Yeah. Um, uh, of... Signed her immediately uh, to a 1.25 million dollar two album deal. Mm. Okay, so you although go, she girl. although yeah she worked hard to, and developed the skills, she did kind of get signed like boom overnight. Mm. Okay, must be nice. Yeah, and the rest was history, right? Wrong, Rachel. Because remember, at this time, she was being pigeonholed as, uh, this was her logline. This is what her manager was pitching to records, is Cheryl Crow meets, meets Fiona Apple. Okay? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the original idea that her sound would be like country adjacent, uh, given her history of covering these country songs and singing in the church choir. Okay? Hmm. But after Avril heard the first productions of the first few songs from Let Go, what would be the album Let Go, she flew down to L.A. at 16 years old, told the multi-million dollar record producer that the sound needed to change. No. And she took out like all the like kind of like computerized drums, like all the like big production stuff, and really leaned into the pop punk feel and aesthetic that was really just getting to be very popular at the time. So she told them in the middle of like them mixing and mastering She just the got album. a $1.25 million <laughs> deal uh, to do two albums. And they're like, great. So you're like Sheryl Crow. And this is what were, you're going to be like. Yeah. And she flew down and was like, no, I'm going to do Skater Boy. <laughs> like I'm going to be it's this funny. alternative person. That's so funny. Um, and what I think is so special about that is that I think when Avril came out, when she landed on the scene in 2002, I think there's a lot, and maybe people still feel this way, that Avril's like a little bit of a poser, right? Hmm. She's not really punk, mm. Rachel. I think some of that's like just some toxic masculinity yeah. and like gatekeeping and stuff. Um, but also she is poppy, <laughs> like... Uh, so is newfound glory and good Charlotte, but like, <laughs> duh, <laughs> Rachel knows, but like it's, so she is poppy. And I, I kind of felt this at a certain point. I'm like, ah, Avril's a little too poppy for me, but going up to a record producer that just paid you over a million dollars and being like, actually, I'm going to do something different. That's, it, punk that's punk rock. rock. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. Oh, okay. So speaking of the time. It was 2002. Bum, bum, bum. The country was reeling from 9-11 still. <laughs> uh, no, it was the peak of TRL pop punk, okay? 
We're talking Blink-182, Green Day, Good Charlotte, Simple Plan. All of these bands were not only topping the charts, but they're also making like cameos in movies, on TV shows, endorsing skate companies. But this boys club was not prepared for 2002's Let Go. (laughs) Uh, So this is the main thing that we listened to. I had you listen to two albums and a couple music videos. But Let Go, Avril's debut album, is a banger, okay? But more than just the incredible music and the shattering of pop punk's version of a glass ceiling, Avril was also a trendsetter, okay? You mentioned this in In the Dark. Anyone who's listening to this and wore a tie to school in 2002 should write in to the podcast, okay? <laughs> because I know I did. And everyone knows it's because of Avril. Like you said, she had the tank top and the and the tie, yeah. you know? Um, Green Day comes out in 2004 with American Idiot, and they have a tie on, okay? They have, yeah. the, like, that buttoned-up thing. Now, they have, like, a dress shirt. It's, like, this black goth thing. Like, it's a different look, I guess. But that tie thing... That punk tie, I really really, associate with Avril Lavigne. It lasted through the ages. The fact that I still remember that says something. Oh my gosh. So many bracelets, you know, just like wrist warmers and like a bunch of bracelets, ties, baggy jeans, skateboards. And you know, if you pair it with what other women pop stars at the time were wearing, like this is... This is low-rise jeans. This is thong time. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like, she's rebelling. We're in the throngs of thong bit. right here. <laughs> this is the thong throng. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So this is when she hits a big time, right? This big debut album. Avril Lavigne becomes the second artist in history to have three top ten songs from a debut album on the Billboard Mainstream's Top 40 chart. It okay? was... I'm with you, Skater Boy, and wait, it was complicated on this yeah, album? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I thought that yeah, was on the second album. No, no, all those are from this album. Um, uh, Avril was also named Best New Artist at the uh, MTV Music Awards. Look at that. Won four Juno Awards in 2003 out of six nominations and received a World's Music Award for World's Best Selling Canadian Singer uh, and was nominated for eight Grammy Awards, including Best New Artist and Song of the Year for Complicated. But I just found this out, and this made Avril crawl even further into my heart, which was at those Juno Awards in 2003, when she accepted the award, she said, I don't believe that war is a way to solve problems. I think it's wrong, and I don't have much respect for George Bush. <laughs> and that she was really proud of the Canadian Prime Minister at the time for keeping them out of the war. So mm. needless to say, I swooned. Yeah, Sam, <laughs> a huge anti-Bush child for oh whatever Oh my gosh, reason. yeah, oh yeah, I'm still still angry. Um, and then her follow-up album, Under My Skin, also very good. A little moodier and darker than Let Go. I actually liked it better. I do think it holds up a little better. I think, here's the thing. The hits of Let Go are probably the best of, of the whole discography, but the whole album of Under My Skin is better, I think, than the whole album of Let Go. Yeah, it just seems like a more mature sound in that second album. The lyrics were a little bit more grown up. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, you got I, My Happy Ending, Don't Tell Me on that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. But 
It's a little bit more muted, but I think more consistent. And she goes on to produce five more albums over the course of the next 20 years and is still considered to be the pop punk princess. Now, does that mean that she's not a clone? Now, look. Are we going to get into it? I did look into these things because that when I asked you in the dark, I'm like, oh, this will be fun to bring up. And all of the things that I looked up were so dumb. Really? <laughs> that I'm like, it is not. I was going to lean into it, be like, is she real? And then I like love her music. And I think the conspiracy theory is very bad. Yeah. It's just like very thin. Yeah. I did ask some of our Instagram followers <laughs> to like weigh in on Alanis and Avril. Yeah. And Emily Larkin wrote in, please discuss the Avril replacement conspiracy. I am sure Sam is on top of it. She also said, mandatory iPod mini tracks for girls in middle school suburbia circa early 2000s. Emily, while you research what you're Googling right now, Emily also said about Alanis Morissette, paved the way for hundreds of Avrils to follow. Had tickets to Jagged Little Pill, but the show was canceled due to the cast getting COVID. Oh, the the musical. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, uh, the influence for uh, Avril and Alanis, it, it's very clear. Yeah. It goes straight into the, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so here's the thing. Here's why I don't want to go into the conspiracy theory. Is because I kind of teased you about it in in the dark. It's Paul is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been making the same conspiracy theory for musicians being replaced since 1967, yeah. 1968. Like, uh, I'm not buying it. There's there's one with Taylor Swift. There's one with Beyonce. Like, you can, you know you've made it when people yes. pretend that you're dead. Yes, I think that's the true thing. It is a marker of her success rather <laughs> than it is something that I think we should get into. <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit personally. Okay. First of all, Let Go is the first album I ever bought. Now, I actually bought two albums at the same time for my first album. What was the other one? Pink Misunderstood. Nice. Yes. Very good albums. Uh, so I clearly had something going on. Okay. <laughs> I loved Skater Boy. I loved Complicated. And I had the world's biggest crush on Avril Lavigne. Yeah, okay? I did see that. Oh, like a major crush. Okay. Rachel, I had such a big crush on Avril Lavigne that I got a crush on a Canadian girl who lived down the street and played guitar, <laughs> just kind of by association. <laughs> were you so when you were listening to her music? Uh, what were you? How old were you? I was eleven. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, I was eleven in two thousand two. So eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. I had just gotten into middle school, or as uh, Avril would say, grade six. Yes. And I. Uh, yeah, I wore ties to school. So the girls cute. that wore ties to school, I thought they were the coolest. Um, yeah, big whole thing. I was looking, I was in a small town and I think I was like really dying for that like alternative vibe. Yeah. Um, society, on the other hand, was trying to make me choose between Christina and Brittany. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which yeah. one is my type? It turns out they're the same person. And I, as soon as I was introduced to Avril, <laughs> Uh, no one could hold a candle. Um, I wore ties to school. I skated, and I was 11 in 2002. Prime demographic. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as time wore on, like I alluded to, my taste changed. Okay. I wanted harder music. I wanted it to be real punk, and I felt like Avril was just a little too bubblegum for me. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe she was the poser, like all those older punk boys said. And that's how I felt, truthfully, until this week. Hmm. Okay? Because listening back, the songs hold up. <laughs> sure, some of the lyrics are kind of like standard pop fare, mm-hmm. you know, boys, heartbreak, loneliness, etc. There was a line that I know, oh God, I don't think I have it in my notes anymore. It was just like a line where it was like, she rhymes like, say, hey. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, uh, all right. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah. I think it, it just sounds like pop music, you know? And I that's where I get, I guess I understand the thing of like Avril's a pose or, or whatever. It's not real punk. But her voice is fantastic and the songs are catchy. Those are undeniable. And now knowing that she chose the pop punk aesthetic, mm-hmm. despite the record label's insistence, makes you remember how punk that two-time MVP always was. <laughs> also, she won like eight Grammys. Yeah. I don't know. Um, fun facts. Yeah. Uh, Avril was married to the lead singer of Sum 41. That's right. I, I said Blink-182 maybe. I and that know. was as close as I can ask you to get. Um, <laughs> that was you. great. But then also from 2012 to 2015, she married Chad Kruger from Nickelback. Yikes. Yeah. Rachel, what were your impressions of yeah. of Avril? So I, I, I mean, I echo a lot of what you said. I mean, I when these songs came out, I was obviously in my early twenties, so mm-hmm. it was a little bit different for me. But I totally remember um, "Complicated," mm-hmm. "I'm with You," "Skater Boy." Skater Boy, I was like, this is not for me. Like it felt. Skater Boy is the most pop punk of the first album for sure yeah girlfriend kind of returns to that on a later oh, album hi, hi, you, you, you. i don't like your girlfriend yeah. yeah so uh yeah i was wondering if she wrote her own songs yeah um so she is a writer on all of her songs but like any pop act you gotta it's a team like yeah. every pop act is a team but she is credited as writing each one of her songs it was yeah. co-writing uh, all of her songs you know, maybe that's just in her contract, but we know that she's got the musical chop. She plays instruments. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me. She did write a song. I want to say she like helped co-wrote a song for Kelly Clarkson. I want to say I remember. Mm. Um, so there's definitely a history of her writing songs. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I listening to Let Go. But there I, is, you know, there's a Max Martin in there. There's a of course. Um, there's a group called The Matrix. There's like a, a team of three people that writes a lot of pop music and hmm. they uh, worked pretty heavily on Let Go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. One of the things I noticed is that she sounds her age. Yes. And I was like, that is refreshing. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I like her yodeling voice effect that she does. Like, yeah. the, you know, yeah. it feels like she's doing something that feels uniquely Avril yes. to me. So yes. I think that's fun. I will admit that first album, Let Go, it started to bore me a little bit. Uh, I liked the when hits. When I was like, listening through, I was like, how many times did I listen to the B-sides of this album? Not uh, many. Yeah. I, think. yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, like, do, well, who would this artist be now? Like, I wonder if we have this kind of artist now. Like, we used to have a lot with, like, Michelle Branch and, like, I don't know. but I was told I, in my research there was, like, a whole thing of um, internet stuff that's saying Billie Eilish is just Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Like that, like that's so funny. I that's from what an aesthetic I wrote down. point of view, it's like this like girl who's like, I'm not 
trying to be like ultra feminine. Yeah. I'm like doing my own thing. I was and... going to say the exact same thing. And I didn't, I just was like, that was who I thought of. Yeah, I'm like yeah. someone who's like, I'm not going to play the role you want me to play. I'm yeah. going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought the under my skin album, I, I thought there were more bangers on that album. Mm. I actually enjoyed it more. I, I, like I said, I think it had like a more mature sound, but it was fun. For me, this album sounds like, like uh, thematically reminds me a bit of Alanis because it sounded like an anti-love song album. Yeah. You know, it seems like this person is scorned the entire album. I mean, I was listening to this just walking the dog and it was just like resist. Every song was like resistance. Like every song mm. is the theme of resistance. Literal lyrics I wrote down. Don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me is the name of the song. Yeah, yeah. Don't patronize me. Yeah. I I won't compromise. I don't need you. Yeah. These are all lines from different songs on the same album. Yeah. So it's clear what was going on there, yeah. you know? There oh there is one song where she does like what I call the Billy Joel, you know, like uh, <laughs> oh my gosh there's so much of that in both of these artists i feel like uh they both do similar melismas which is like uh like where you're on one syllable but multiple notes and i they just have this i don't know canadian melisma that i just <laughs> melisma yeah i don't know that word yeah yeah also the name of my cousin melisma hmm and then the last thing I wrote down was just that there was a song on that album. The last song in the album was called I Always Get What I Want. And it kind of stood out to me as really stylistically different from the rest of the album. It sounded kind of like Travis Barker drums. Mm. She does work with Travis Barker later with Willow Smith. They both no like work way. together to like, remember when Willow Smith was like revitalizing pop punk? Yes. Very so cool. Avril and Travis Barker were both working on that. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I feel like she sounds more punk in that song. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, Avril's good. Uh, it, how indicative, indicative of its time? I would say almost time-defining uh, Avril Lavigne, yeah. especially from a female in rock perspective in 2002. I, I you know, be, nominated for Best New Artist. I feel like she's – and also uh, making a trend with the ties. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to dismiss that at all because I feel like – uh, when people were making Mandy Moore and growing Christina Aguilera in a lab, <laughs> that they were trying, they want the cultural impact of being able to sell clothes mm-hmm. through their pop artists, right? Like that would be the end goal for these money grubbing studio execs, right? So to see that Avril's like, I'm not listening to you and then gets it done mm-hmm. um, is very cool. And like later Avril, of course, like has like some kind of like clothing line that's sold at Kohl's or something. <laughs> but um, of course, of yeah. course. Uh, well, but the, is it just nostalgia, Rachel? Is it just nostalgia? It's my question. Oh, is it just me. nostalgia? Um, I don't know. It's your thing. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can't answer that for you. Well, I, w- I was curious on your opinion. I think that it... I don't think it could be separated from the nostalgia. I mean, I do just think like pop punk in general is, it was such a youthful time. It was such a, a just an innocent uh, prankster time that we don't, we can't get back. We know too much about <laughs> how actions have consequences. And not that Avril's totally indicative of that, but that, that style of music feels dated Mm -hmm. um that being said 
If you have even heard the song one time, it holds up. I would I would recommend a re-listen, at least to the hits. At mm-hmm, least to the hits. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rachel? Do you think it holds up or is it just nostalgia? I mean, I think I kind of agree with you. Yeah. I, I do think Complicated is still really fun. Yeah. Uh, there's some fun songs on there. I did figure out the intersection between our two topics today. Oh, what's that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Ontario, it turns out. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I feel like we really got into it. I feel pretty good about Atlantis from New Jersey and Avril mm-hmm. uh, from Canada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's everyone knows what time it is. It's time for the hot of time. Oh, that's right. Oh, let me look in here. Ooh. Ooh. Seems like people got married at an inappropriately young age back then. Okay, I've got it here. Oh, actually, I'm going to hand this to Rachel. Rachel, how about you read from the Hat of you Time? You want me to read this? It's the season finale. Go All for it. All right. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, the Hat of Time usually reveals something from our past and asks us questions about how we feel about it, how it affected us. And today, the Hat of Time says, season two of Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. Wow, that's... Interesting out of time. Wow, because that's happening right now. We're in the middle of recording it. Yeah, wow. What How can I judge? Ha- look, yeah. this hat is magical. We yeah. can't judge it. I, the hat chooses. I think it wants us to look back at the season we just recorded. Well, I want to say I'm very grateful to anyone who helped donate and make this season possible, including our editor, Jack Martin. Um, it's been a great upgrade. I feel like we've been able to make the show better. It just it just falls into place so much easier now, and I want to give a, a congratulations uh, to everyone who worked on it for accomplishing something that I think is pretty spell. It's pretty what? Sorry, I kind of <laughs> messed up the last word. <laughs> I think you couldn't decide between special and swell. That's true. <laughs> Swellshul. Yeah, I thought it was very Swellshul, and uh, it's been really cool. Yeah, it's been really exciting to get to do the podcast again and improve upon it. I actually have been listening to some old episodes and man, did I have COVID brain while we were recording those. I could not think of anything. I was, it was not my quickest. It was not my best, Mm. but I don't know why I chose to start a podcast when I was in that kind of state. Free time. Free time. Quarantine. (laughs) Quarantimes. Remember those? Yeah. And to compare, this season took us over a year. Uh, We are recording this over a year after we recorded the first episode of season two. What? Yeah, because we didn't even live in this house when we recorded the first episode. (laughs) What? (laughs) But like Sam said, thank you so much to everyone who donated to make season two happen. We really would not have been able to do it uh, without you. And thank you so much to Jack Martin. You are so talented and you make us sound so much smarter. So much smarter. Uh, also, we want to make season three. We want to make it bigger and badder and cooler than ever. I think uh, Rachel and I have expressed interest in trying to do another live show for the uh, people of the world. Yes, specifically in Portland. <laughs> yeah, probably in Portland. Um, but it'll be cool. to. Uh, we started as a live show. We became a podcast. It'll be cool to see to go back to a live show, but we'll also do a full podcast season three, of course. I hope so. If you've got ideas for that or ideas for the hat of time, you can send them to us and then we will whisper them into the hat of time and the (laughs) hat 
chooses, but we're glad to whisper them into the hat for you. You can send those messages to us at Sam and Rachel Comedy on Instagram or on Facebook. Thank you so much, babe. Thanks for doing this with me. Thanks for doing it with me. I really feel like this one we got to grow together. You know, this one. This episode? Yes, yes. Yeah. And this season. I think this season had, you know... We we keep mentioning the Degrassi nine hundred two one whoa episode, but like we <laughs> really rough. we got ambitious with like what we were able to force ourselves to experience together, <laughs> and that brought us closer together. I think Rachel. Yeah. The gap I, has never been smaller. The gap is not a gap. It is just a tiny little overbite. Yeah, it's just one step into the future of our relationship. But it does continue to grow and therefore we'll have to make more episodes. Well, every day that we don't do the show, it will grow wider. And I am waiting for you to get old soon. You're still very young. It's yeah. really frustrating. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking into it. I asked the doctor. Uh, they said they can't do that. What kind of doctor says they can't? Um, it was a general practitioner. <laughs> All right, guys. Hit it with the guitar! Hit it with the guitar! Season two! so much for listening to this episode of Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sam and Rachel Comedy. And if you like the show, please rate us highly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap is produced by Sam DeRose and Rachel Rosenthal with editing from Jack Barton. Our music is by Douglas Wydick and Sweet Tea Studios. Our artwork is by Aaron Maybe Designs. And the snuggles are provided by Rosie DeGalga. Sounds good. Well, let's get into today's topics because this is the season finale. Oh my gosh. So season we had to two, go big. Season finale. We had to go big and we did go big. We did. We went big in voices. That's right. We're talking about Avril Lavigne, a Canadian pop princess singer songwriter. <laughs> and, and Alanis Morissette, who I refuse to call a pop princess because she's not. I didn't. I didn't say anyone was a pop princess. <laughs> you did. I said a punk, a pop punk singer songwriter. I think you said pop princess. Denise. <laughs> Do you want to re-record it? I don't want to re-record it. I want to listen to the recording we made. Oh God! Now this is on air forever. All right, we just listened to it, and uh... I'm here. I was in the booth. I was listening Denise. to it the whole time. Denise. Sam is a liar. Okay? He said pop princess. Oh my I know. God. Listening back to it, I was as shocked as everyone. Okay? I didn't know I could make mistakes. I didn't know. No, I thought you were just completely flawless. I thought so too. Well, let's let's do it again. Alanis Morissette is a singer-songwriter from Canada. And uh, <laughs> great. What is happening? <laughs>